Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Thanks, announcer guy. I am Kurt Widhelm, and today I'm here with my partner, Katie Vernoy, and it's a very special Thanksgiving episode, so if you're looking to avoid your family for a little bit, thank you for joining us today, (laughs) and we're really just going to use this as an opportunity to talk about the holidays around your office. Do we decorate? How do we celebrate it? What do you do, Katie? I'm really lazy. I don't really decorate too often. I find that that takes forethought and I kind of just come into my office and see my clients. So I don't decorate, but I do know that some people do. So what are your thoughts about whether you should decorate your office for the holidays, Kurt? I, much like you, we practice in the Los Angeles area. So we do have a clientele that has a lot more of a diverse background than maybe in some of the other parts of the country. I have also taken the lazy approach in my practice when it comes to decorating. (laughs) So I don't know that it's ever been quite intentional for me to not have decorated my office. I also share my office in a suite of other therapists. So it's not just a reflection of me and my clients in the waiting room. But in my particular office, one year we did have a networking party in our suite for other therapists to come to our space, uh, have uh, an opportunity to meet each other and just celebrate the holidays in general. And one of the clinicians working for me at the time had put out some holiday lights on one of the side tables that I believe stayed on that table for a couple of weeks just through the holiday season again, kind of out of laziness. I think that they just (laughs) fell behind the table. I think that they still live behind that table. But as far as making a concerted effort to decorate for the holidays, it's something that I've never really done. But I don't think that I've put a lot of effort into weighing the consequences of should I or shouldn't I. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are definitely some practices that are more focused on specific culture or religion. And I think those are kind of a no brainer. Like if, if everybody that you're seeing and everybody who's in the office celebrate the same holidays, it would, if you are so inclined, it would make sense to decorate because it shows, uh, you know, there's connection and there's celebration and all of that. But I think especially where, you know, there's diverse clinicians, there's diverse clients, I think it can get a little bit tricky to determine if you decorate what you do. But it can be really challenging in order to try to meet the needs of a number of people if you are working in a diverse area and trying not to offend somebody. And this is where maybe surprisingly coming from us that 
it might be safest just to not decorate and to have kind of just an everyday appearance in your office. I think that, yeah, I think it kind of is something where it seems not like us because we're saying, hey, bring your whole self and and the holidays that you celebrate are part of who you are. But I think that there is a balance to be struck between having yourself on display and really putting out all of the the cultural values that you hold and and kind of being somebody that is yourself and warm and accepting without kind of layering on all of the the cultural pieces that you claim in your personal life. So I think it's I don't know if I said that well, but it's it's something where there there's a balance to be struck. And I, I think you can be real and, and whole and all of that stuff and not have all of your decorations in your office and not be so blatantly yourself to the detriment of the clients potentially. I think that really part of this does come up too is that the holidays can be traumatizing for some clients, especially with relational issues or if a loved one has passed away, that really being surrounded by a lot of holiday decor can be very emotionally challenging for them to be surrounded by that in what should be an emotionally safe space for them as well. I think that's so important. I know for myself, I've had even to talk about some of the other holidays, whether they're family-related holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, if they're kind of national holidays for for those of us in the United States, like Thanksgiving or Fourth of July or those types of things. I think that there are potentially pitfalls or or kind of traps that you can get into when if you assume that everyone is super happy to celebrate these holidays, they're excited about the holidays because there are such different relationships we hold with the holidays. There's certainly kind of the trauma of being around your family during the holidays. I think that can be different. But I think when we even look at Mother's Day or Father's Day, there's if you were abused by your mother or your father, or if something was off in the relationship, having everybody going around and telling you, oh, you know, happy Mother's Day or happy Father's Day, then that can be really hard because people are celebrating folks who you don't know that you really feel comfortable celebrating. It can also be hard for people with infertility during kind of Mother's Day and Father's Day. And and since we're now in Thanksgiving and then also looking at some of the other American holidays, you know, there's different opinions about the United States, about how we came to this land and, and, you know, what we did with the people that were here before us. And so I think there can be some, some political pieces to how you talk about and celebrate the holidays and what you put up in your office. Sure. This is even reflected in the ongoing debate of whether or not cards say happy holidays or Merry Christmas and are going to partially be informed by your background and the clients that you might work with. One of the things that I was just thinking of is that over the past several years, I've received several holiday cards or Christmas cards from other therapists in the area. And I know some people who might hang up cards uh, on the wall just as kind of a holiday decoration that goes along with that. I remember growing up that all of the family cards that my family received ended up getting kind of shown on the back of the front door. So we would see, you know, all of the cards that we received from everybody else. I haven't adopted that in my office, partially because I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both, dude. (laughs) It's it's twice the work. I got to put it up and take it down. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I think anything that requires less work is a, is a good good strategy. I'm sorry, continue, continue. So even in how you might be advertising your practice, if you're writing holiday cards or Christmas cards that you're sending out to people as just kind of a thank you for the referrals throughout the year, thinking of you and your practice that might be sitting out on your desk, that can even be as small of a reminder to a, a client as hanging a, a Christmas tree or other decorations in your office as well. I know. I think people don't necessarily think about all of the implications when they're sending out cards, when they're when they're sending when they're putting things in their offices. I think people can, you know, forget that it can have a real pack impact on clients, but even just touching on the cards that you send to other clinicians, assuming that clinicians are going to respond positively to a Christmas card, for example, or to other types of cards, I think it can be it can be really difficult to really know. You can't please everybody, but it can be difficult to know what somebody's going to be taking in when you send something out like that. I know there was a discussion I had in in a local networking group about what kind of gifts or cards or holiday things do you do. And a lot of people are moving away from the holidays, the December holidays, because there's just so much noise. So many people are sending cards to thank referral sources. Some people have moved to Happy New Year cards. Some people have even moved it into the middle of the year, you know, like Happy Fourth of July cards or even Happy May, (laughs) (laughs) where people are finding a different time so that they can stand out from the noise. And I think there's the benefit of saying, having somebody send you a card in May when nobody else is sending cards. and so it's it's distinctive, but it also means that it's not tied to a holiday they may not celebrate or that's traumatic for them. And so it's just, it's really interesting to, to consider how do we put ourselves out there during a time when a lot of people are celebrating a lot of holidays. Sure. And this can even come down to something that a lot of people don't really think about, which is your availability during holidays. Last night, the night before Thanksgiving, and yesterday I worked until nine o'clock. Like it was a regular Wednesday evening. A couple of clients kind of question, oh, you're, you're working the day before Thanksgiving and family and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, really this year I'm around. I know that some people just want to have their regular sessions with me. Uh, Some people might be using it as an excuse to get away from their family. (laughs) Or not cook or something. Right. Now, (laughs) I'm also making the decision to not work Thanksgiving Day or the day after this year. But because of some of my other scheduling things, uh, for the first time ever, I'm working the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And based on some of my professional responsibilities and uh, conferences that I'm attending over the next several weeks, and then looking ahead at how Christmas and New Year's are going to affect schedules, that there's a lot of Saturdays that I'm going to be not available for my clients during the season. And so I made the decision this year to work this Saturday in order to provide that opportunity for those clients who are wanting to be seen and knowing that scheduling with me might be more difficult in the coming months. Now, I think that's so important because I think too often we, at this time especially, think about our own obligations to family, to all of the other people people in our lives and our clients potentially really need sessions right now. And if we're pretty much unavailable from Thanksgiving through New Year's, they're really missing a lot of sessions. They're not getting the treatment they need, the support they need. And so I think that's a really, I'm, I can't believe I'm calling you responsible, Kurt, but that's a very responsible choice thank to you, work on you. on Saturday. <laughs> Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. 
From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. And a big part of this is being able to navigate a lot of the boundaries between your personal life and your professional life that Mm -hmm. uh, even some of the new phone calls that I'm receiving for clients, I I have to respond with. My schedule is really mixed up over the next few weeks. If you can tolerate having kind of a chaotic schedule in the first couple of weeks of our relationship, then we can move into having a set time once I'm back from conferences, once I'm back from mm-hmm. professional obligations. And I think it's it's really important because I think oftentimes we'll just, we won't look ahead. And so we'll schedule clients in that really actually need intensive treatment to start their calling you because they're in crisis. And then you really aren't able to schedule them very well. And it can, it can really have a bad beginning to treatment. So I think it's smart that you're doing that, Kurt. Thank you. This also then comes to maybe not people who are working in private practices, but people who might be working in treatment centers or residential facilities of navigating holidays that way. For people who might be part of a 90-day treatment program that does extend through many of the major holidays, and I've had clients that I've referred into these programs that have had to celebrate holidays away from their families in these situations. And to talk about the difficulties of spending that time away, but wanting the traditions that go along with it. So it really is something that in those cases, it might be more client informed and talking with your clients ahead of time about how they want to approach those things. Yeah, I think the more that you can prepare your clients for any of the ups and downs or the blips or the challenges that happen in the beginning of treatment, the better off I think they do. I think too often people are focused on getting the client and bringing them in that they don't think about maintaining them in the beginning. And and during normal times, it's like, hey, we're going to have a session every week or in a treatment facility, it's going to be, you know, treatment as usual. But during the holidays, there's a lot of things that can come up psychologically, you know, the trauma, the different expectations, potentially not celebrating the holidays with your family, but there's also the scheduling issues. I know another piece that I'd like to talk about is during the holidays, people get really freaked out because their caseload goes down sometimes. And I've also, I've had it both ways. I've had it where I've had, it's like a ghost town and I've got a lot of cancellations, a lot of people who are just overwhelmed with all of the holiday cheer and the parties and the obligations. And so I have a lot of cancellations, but there's been times when I've had people people schedule additional sessions because the holidays are so traumatic. And so I think being able to roll with the punches, especially as a private practitioner, can be important when you're navigating through, especially the the holidays that fall at the end of the year. That was a really big issue for me to deal with in the early years of having my private practice. There's been years now where I have taken off the holidays in order to my own traveling to go and visit family. One of the things in my practice of working with teenagers is that teenagers tend to grow up and get older. (laughs) 
<laughs> they do? <laughs> they do. Uh, and, and a lot of them go to college. And so I end up not seeing them for several months. They leave in August, they move across the country, and they'll come back and they'll schedule sessions with me while they're home on break. So it is something that, that has accumulated through years. And if you can roll through those early years of difficulties, it is something that is a possibility of looking at your practice and coming back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's each practice is going to be different. And folks who work in treatment centers, there's potentially a slowdown, but there's also potentially people who kind of the interventions happen because families together or, you know, they hit bottom while they're dealing with the, the sadness and the difficulty and trauma that can happen around the holidays. So being able to understand, especially after a certain number of years, you know, what the what the fluctuations can look like and planning for it can be very helpful. I think for folks who are slowing down, it can be a really great time to plan for the new year because oftentimes people will want to start treatment and start change and that kind of stuff in January. So being able to get a little bit of rest, recuperation and focusing in on family time can be helpful. But yeah, I think a lot of people, the schedules are different, the routines are off. And I think a lot of people can get really unsettled, both clients and clinicians during the holiday season. And really, prepping yourself to also know what might be coming up for the clients in sessions of being able to talk about the stress of the holidays, whether there's trauma there or not. I Mm -hmm. had a session fairly recently where a client was talking about looking forward to a lot of the holiday movies that were coming out. So it gave me the opportunity to kind of jump in and tell him about my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) It really is, but it actually ended up sparking a conversation about what that movie means to his family at this time. That, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really in a way that without having the holidays there to make that movie known as the great holiday movie that it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it did end up sparking uh, some great clinical work as well. Yeah, I think oftentimes it almost is like easy pickings right now as far as being able to take things from the world and discuss it You know, during the holidays. I know, especially I, I used to have a group for women and survivors of trauma and abuse, childhood trauma and abuse. And Thanksgiving, you know, the week before Thanksgiving, there would always be the kind of the requisite discussion of gratitude and being able to refocus on gratitude and thankfulness. I think there's also a lot of the planning around how do you manage your family? How do you deal with the additional stress and time with family that often comes from the holidays? And so it can be really easy to add some really interesting conversations during the holidays because there's just so much going on. One of the other issues that comes up a lot of times this year is what to do with gifts from clients, or even if Mm -hmm. you provide gifts to clients, what has been your experience with that in the past? I think it's different in private practice than it was in in public mental health. In public mental health, we actually went out and it was a lot of fun. We went out and we bought lots and lots of gifts. We were working with kids. So we bought just tons of gifts. Obviously they they weren't expensive. They were stuff that we vetted. So we made sure that there wasn't anything that was controversial or dangerous or that kind of stuff. So just little tiny gifts to give to all of the the kids that we saw, but it really would set up then this almost reciprocal, like they wanted to give me a gift. And so we had to navigate through that because if we just said no, if we just turned it away, then there created this weirdness in the relationship because we'd given them a gift. And so so we talked about it, and especially when I was supervising other folks, it was we were talking about them giving us gifts. What does it mean for them? You know, what are the cultural aspects of it? We've given them a gift and we're telling them that we're going to give them a gift, partly to get them in during the holidays, I think, because <laughs> things get so busy. But saying like, hey, we're, you know, we've got these gifts for you. So there's almost, it's almost like it sets up this expectation. And so navigating through, how do you decide if it's an appropriate gift to take?
take. And oftentimes it was based on, is it something that can either come back to the clinic and be used by the clinic like a game or, or something, a decoration? And then, or is it something that's really kind of unbalanced financially where they spent a lot of money on a gift for you or, you know, that kind of stuff. And if it really created this different dynamic of them trying to give to you more than really the relationship could hold, then how do you say like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I can't take gifts. I mean, when you're an intern, you can blame it on your supervisor and say, my supervisor won't let me take a gift. But once you're a licensed clinician, that kind of stuff, it's talking about how do you discuss the nature of the gift? And I think that can be, can be tough. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I know in private practice, it happens less because I don't give gifts to my clients for the holidays. Neither and so, do I. so I think that's not really been an issue, but have you, what are your thoughts and how do you direct your interns around the holidays related to gifts? So this is something that I've addressed with my interns, even in the informed consent that I do with them in the intern contract that I start with them from the very beginning of their work with me. And it blatantly says in there that it's the general practice of our practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a general practice of your practice. It's the it's a general rule of our practice to decline gifts. Mm-hmm. And that has not stopped clients from giving gifts. There's a lot that's taught in therapy about exploring the significance of the gift, exploring the cultural impacts of the gift, and so on and so forth. As this has come up over the years, I've more or less talked about if it's something really pretty small, under $5, that it's something maybe not uh, to spend too much time trying to evaluate what it is. If it's a nice little decoration for the office, a trinket or something like that. That's I've gotten a couple coffee mugs. Coffee mugs. Then it might be something that you just say thank you and you see the client's response and you move forward with that. One year, one of the clinicians working for me had received a $100 gift card uh, to iTunes from, it was a very wealthy family that she was working with. And the family refused to accept the, the rejection of the gift. You know, my <laughs> clinician had, had tried to- They're like, nope. We're not taking it. <laughs> yeah, she, she had tried to say this is something that really exorbitant for the work that we're doing and the family kept turning it back to her, turning it back to her. And so we had looked for ways for her to use that towards professional development for herself, again, kind of turning it back towards the office mm-hmm. rather than using it as a, a lavish type treat from catering to certain clients over others. Mm-hmm. A lot of where I look at this is none of the ethical codes, at least out of the major organizations, have anything that says flatly that we need to reject gifts mm-hmm. and that we should take into consideration the significance of the gifts from clients and working in private practice, that $5 or less sort of thing is, it's really something that is not going to be monetarily significant to a lot of the clients that are served in my practice, but it might have an emotional significance to it. That's really where I do encourage my clinicians to look at the emotional significance behind why something is being given. I think that's so important. I know that for myself, you know, at the very beginning, I was told, 
that I needed to turn away all gifts. I can't take any gifts. And I think there's been times where had I just kindly said thank you and move forward and potentially have, you know addressed a little bit about how the relationship is going or, or look to see if there was a significance around the gift, I think it can be something where it can be very clinically rich conversation and it can help to improve the relationship with the client because in truth, allowing a client... And, and I actually have... I've had in my group, we've always had a party and we bring food and so we're sharing food. And I've also worked in public mental health where you go to somebody's home and they want to provide, you know, they want to offer you some water or some some food. And so I think food can have some of this too. But I think being able to act like human beings together where it's the holidays and there's a little trinket or, hey, you're at my house and I'd love to offer you a soda. I think it can be something where being able to be a human being in that moment and not going, I wonder why you're offering me this. It's like, because they're a human being, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I think something, especially something small or, or especially if somebody's giving me something that it's clear they're giving to everyone, you know, it's like, this is my, this is my holiday card with a little, you know, $5 Starbucks card attached. And this is who I'm giving, to, giving to everybody when it's clear that it's not something that's unique to the therapeutic relationship. I kind of just say, thank you, especially if it's not exorbitant, say thank you. And then talk about what the holidays mean. If there's any kind of relationship issues, talk about that. But if it's something where it's so clearly a personal gift, where they've really thought about who I am, you know, or whatever they've projected onto me for the, the parts that aren't, you know, totally shown, like it's, it's valuable clinical information and only going to that and, and refusing the gift and, and getting awkward. And I wonder what, you know, called you to do this. Like, I think it can, it can really hinder the relationship, whereas, you know, warmly accepting it and then exploring, you know, how did you decide on this gift? This actually, you know, really seems to fit in with the work we're doing and, you know, being able to, to discuss it can, can take you in a whole different direction. I really like that you brought up about doing the same sort of thing for all of your clients. So if you are the type of clinician who is giving something out, one of the things that I've talked about with all of my supervisees is when you're making a decision of giving something to a client, and especially something around the holidays, that it needs to be something that you would consider doing for all of your clients. If you are selectively choosing some clients to give something to as a significance for their lives, but not others, then that's probably a countertransference that you need to examine. But if it's kind of a blanket, I'm going to have holiday candies just readily available sitting in the waiting room for whoever wants to take them, then that's something that is available to all and is probably a better guidance for something that you can do in being able to spread your you-ness. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that for the most part. I think you definitely want to address the countertransference if you're planning gifts for specific clients and not others. But I do believe that if there's, because I, for the closing out of my, my last group, I did give a, a, a journal that was very specific and I gave it to everybody in the group, but I got extra ones. And I thought about, there are some people who this would really fit for and some people that, are, that it wouldn't and people who would like to journal, people who don't want to journal. And so I think that for me, there's this piece of, there may be a unique gift or a unique intervention or a unique something that you want to give to a client. And if it's if it's based on countertransference, you need to assess that because if it's like, oh, I just really like this is my favorite client. I just want to give them gifts. Or if it's related to the clinical work and there's something that's more specifically lined up or that they would appreciate. Because I think you can have different relationships with different clients. I think it's it's really just looking at, does it make sense to provide this gift? Is it about them or is it about you? So if we're looking at, if we're taking a step back from our whole conversation here, Mm -hmm. Where are we arriving on decorations, gifts, holidays? 
I think we we're doing what a lot of people do and saying it depends. It's the perfect therapy answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unique to your to you and your practice. I think it's unique to your clients. I think, you know, there's people who don't celebrate a whole lot of holidays during December anyway, so it's not even an issue for them and there's people who are very very involved in their holidays but don't want to bring it into their their work life. So, I think it truly does depend. A little bit earlier you brought up food. What kind of food things have come up in your practice uh, since you've left community mental health? Like like I said, I do the the group parties. The, the it's a therapy group, and whether it's a celebration at the end of a at the end of the group, whether it's a holiday party to kind of celebrate the end of the year, I I basically do a potluck, and everybody brings food. I bring food. We share a meal and it can be very interesting to see who participates in what pieces of that. And some people will bring food that they've picked up. Some people will make things. And I think it can be a really rich experience to see how people are interacting around the food. And, and so it, it makes it about the group. And so it's different than when I've worked in public mental health, where I've been in somebody's home and they've made something for me. And so I think it, it's something where you have to be very comfortable. I think there's a few pieces to it. There's, do you want the mess? in your office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it's also, you know, do you have any severe food allergies that you don't want to bring into the therapeutic relationship where, you know, if they bring, you know, they bring in peanuts and they're like, hey, I've got a peanut butter cookie and you're deathly allergic to peanuts. Like you don't necessarily want to open that up where you have to all of a sudden then discuss like, hey, I'm so glad that you brought me a peanut butter cookie but I can't eat it or else I will die. Like that becomes more about you. So I think it, it really depends on what you're willing to navigate through in the room. In the past, uh, I, I've had several meals with clients with eating disorders in sessions. And one of the unique things that the holiday time does bring up is that there's oftentimes a lot more sweets or a lot more trigger foods for those types of clients. So that has been incorporated into a couple of my sessions before where Clients have identified this is going to be a problem for me when I'm presented with these really rich or decadent meals. Mm -hmm. that we might explore more of the client's food issues surrounding particular holidays. I don't remember any times where I've particularly been, well, hey, this is something that comes from my family that I'm really projecting onto the client. But it has been a, a very rich conversation that has been able to develop around that kind of work with clients as well. But that could be something where it is having the client bring in food. And mm -hmm. I've always struggled with whether or not to eat with clients outside of these planned sessions of kind of the clinical intervention section. Right. And so my policy has typically been to kind of turn away food to talk about, you know, I, I can take care of my own diets that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need you to foster food for me. And most of my clients have been pretty understanding and respectful about that. And if I don't make a big deal about it, mm -hmm. where the majority of my clients are are teenagers anyway, they seemingly sort of just let it go. I haven't had major issues with clients bringing in food for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when it, actually they would have to bring it into an office versus you're at their home and, and they're providing it to you when you're doing community-based work. It's it's a different dynamic. I think the holidays are the times when it's most likely to happen where they'll potentially bring in candy or some baked goods that they've made or those kinds of things. And I think that makes it a lot easier where unless they're unless you're really hungry or this is part of your relationship, you don't have to like break open the cookies and start downing them during the session because it does it is it has a different feel to it. 
when you're eating with your client, you know, whether they have eating disorder concerns or not, like there's, there's a different dynamic when the two of you are eating together. It's, it has a, a kind of a different feel to it. So you have to really make sure that you're aware of, of what, how that's going to impact the relationship before you accept food or before you eat with your client. And so where we really don't have a clear definition of what you should or shouldn't do throughout this season, it's important that you are bringing this up, you are examining it. And this is the importance of having a very good consultation group who can help you identify on a case-by-case basis, maybe giving you some guidance in one direction or another. Yeah, I think the take-home is be thoughtful about it. Uh, make sure that you're not just seeing how it's going to impact you, but how it could impact your clients, how it could impact your colleagues. So to all of you listening, have a wonderful season. I hope everything goes as well as it can for you. And uh, if you are attending the Evolution of Psychotherapy Conference in Anaheim in mid-December, please stop by our table. We'd love to chat with you. You might even end up being on one of our future episodes. So absolutely. Until then, Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.